0: Welcome to the Northeast Community Church podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. Last week we started a new series entitled What in the World? And we discuss how we as believers are supposed to live in a world that opposes God's ways and God's principles. And so how do we supposed to exist? How are we supposed to exist in this world? without soiling ourselves with the ideologies and the, and the ways of the world and live for the glory of God. It's oftentimes very difficult to not lose sight of our purpose as disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. And so last week I submitted the idea that many of us as followers of Jesus Christ have lost our minds. And we've done this by allowing foolish ideologies to creep into our understanding and influence the way that we live. And the sad part is some of these thoughts are permeating the church. We pointed out that the root of many of these things is human thinking. So this week, we're going to dive a little deeper by exploring our culture in contrast to what God would have us do as we serve him in the culture. Okay. earlier I said you need something to write with or something to capture your thoughts with. Did you get it? Do you have it? All right, I'm going to give you a few more seconds. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put 60 seconds up on the screen. And in that 60 seconds, I want you to write down as many of the attributes of God that you can think of in 60 seconds. Ready? Get set. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. You got it? Put the pencils down. And so if you have to share your faith with someone about God based on the things that you wrote on the list, how do you think you would do? Second question. Are the majority of the things that you wrote on the list communicable or incommunicable? What I mean by communicable are things that we can relate to or associate ourselves with when we talk about God. God is love. God is for justice. God shows mercy. Those are things that we can communicate openly and, and effectively because we um, we can empathize or we can emulate those uh, attributes of God. But the incommunicable things are the things that God and God alone can understand the fullness of. Like God is self-existent. God is uh, immutable, which means he uh, doesn't change. Uh, God is self-sufficient. He is omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. He's sovereign, eternal. You get the idea. These are things that we can kind of grasp, but we really can't wrap our minds around them fully. Those things belong solely to God. And those are the things that in God, there are absolutes. There are no, there's no wiggle room with, in those things with God, there are absolutes. There's no wiggle room with God. The challenge is we live in a world that has gotten rid of absolutes. There's no longer absolutes in our culture, in our society, right? There's no longer A equals A. Truth is relative, and this relative truth has trickled into the church and trickled into a lot of our theology. We've given ourselves over to relativism and rationalism as we think about the truth of the world and how that relates to us. We've talked about this before. Maybe you heard someone say my truth versus your truth, and that could be true for you, but it doesn't necessarily have to be true for me. This all stems from philosophical ideologies that push God further and further out of the picture, even though we don't realize it. You see, we're in culture swimming upstream and not realizing that our culture is moving away from absolutes and God is a God of absolutes. And this is one thing that challenges us in our faith and sharing our faith with others. So how did this fundamental breakdown happen? Well, let me tell you, it's a slow process and it starts in the mind of some philosopher Years and years and years ago, who are building on other philosophers and all these philosophers build upon their human experiences that don't include a God or don't include the right understanding of God. Essentially, this has been going on since the beginning of time. And so it starts with a philosophical idea and then that philosophical idea permeates itself into the arts, music, Paintings, now movies, the things that we put before our eyes and consume. Then it trickles into general culture. That's everybody starts talking about it. Like, even right now, we're talking about in this political climate right now, ideologies and ideas that have started hundreds of years ago uh, out of different just uh, philosophical ideologies and ideas. And now the average person is saying it because they've permeated our culture. And as culture goes, instead of theology impacting the culture, the culture ends up impacting our theology. And sometimes with good reason, we want to reach the world. We want to talk to people and we want to make God relatable like we feel like he's relatable. But we forget that God is a God of absolutes. God is a God who is who he is and will never change. He's immutable. And the prevailing ideologies always orbit around man being the center of the world. But God never intended for it to be that way. We rationally reason from our own lives and our own vantage points, and then we look outward and we try and find ways to explain what's happening on the inside of us outwardly so that we can we can pinpoint things that are happening throughout our culture. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that all social sciences are bad. I'm not even saying that social scientists... I'm not even saying that social sciences can explain a lot of our behaviors. But what I'm saying, if, if social sciences leave out God and the only true perspective, then it's missing a big part of the picture. And so even if you're a little bit wrong, God is a God of absolutes. And so you're wrong. And out of this, our faith has become more pragmatic than anything else. And because there's no absolutes, Is only pragmatic relativism. In other words, if it's pragmatic, if it's practical and it makes sense, I'm going to do it. And only if it's relative to my truth. And it's unfortunate that even in our education systems, a lot of time these professors and people who are teaching our young people are just big. They don't train you to have free thought. What they're training you to do is to regurgitate bad information. And so this is the reason why sharing our faith can be so difficult. Today, we're going to share how we can practically and tangibly share our faith through through understanding three things about God and three events. Three things about God and three events. You ready? Let's hop in. And so if you'll turn with me in your Bible to the book of Acts, chapter 17, and we're going to start at verse 16 acts 17 verse 16 and so this is the apostle this is the story of the apostle paul as recorded by dr luke in the acts of the apostles um and so paul was basically run out of thessalonica and then the thessalonians didn't just think it was good enough just to run them out of their city paul went on to berea and the thessalonians came there and ran him out of there too And so the people who were given charge of Paul uh, helped uh, sent him on his way to Athens. And Paul left Timothy and Silas in Berea uh, to continue the work that he had started there, which shows that Paul wasn't just about planning the gospel. Paul was about making disciples, building churches, building uh, communities of believers in order for that city to be impacted and be changed. And so as Paul sent uh, as Paul left, Timothy and Silas there. He went on to Athens and then he called for Timothy and Silas to meet him in Athens. And this is where we pick up the story. And it reads Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. In verse 16 and 17, we see some interesting facts. One, we see that Paul was just there waiting, minding his own business in the city. But knowing Paul and the way that Paul was and because Paul was on mission and Paul understood that the gospel was the most important thing that he could be sharing with people, that he was in the business of sharing God's goodness with others. He was provoked when he looked through the city and saw that it was filled with idols. I don't think that Athens is too far off from where we are today in American culture and American society. They might not necessarily be statues, but they we're consumed. It's ironic right now. We're consumed with statues that are toppling all over the nation. But we're consumed with other idols in our lives. We're consumed with other things like career. We're consumed with other things like The notion of wealth and prosperity that's even crept into the church. We're consumed with all these other things that have become idols in our life. Why do we call them idols? Well, Sean, how could you call this an idol? Well, if I put more importance on this than I do on God, it becomes an idol. Remember, an idol is anything that I place above God. And when Paul saw this, his spirit was provoked, the Bible said. I'm thinking just like last week when we learned in the book of Jude that we should be just longing to share the gospel with people because we understand the seriousness of what that means. That if someone dies without hearing the gospel message presented to them and they never had the opportunity to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, what that's going to look like for them. And so we should be provoked when we see people who are putting things above God. And so the Bible teaches us that he went to the synagogues where the religious people were, and he also went to the marketplace to reason with people, to talk to people about the goodness of God. Verse 18 says, and verse 18 says, some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him, and some said, What does this babbler wish to say? Others said, He seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Listen, oftentimes we're so afraid to share our faith. We're so afraid to talk uh, into life situations about what we believe because we believe because we think we have to be uh, we have to have doctor doctorates in divinity or something like that. Paul went in and Paul simply shared Jesus Christ and his resurrection. If you're a believer and you've been a believer for any amount of time, you need to be able to articulate what it means to give your heart and your life to the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. And Paul did this in the face of these philosophers. And so this is one thing that I really like to dive into for a few seconds. Uh, We look at Christianity like it's a religion. Jesus came to give us a philosophy of life, just as much as He came to give us a way of worshiping God. And so, our philosophy as believers should be built on Christian biblical worldviews. The Stoics and the Epicureans they had a philosophy about life and what it meant for them to live their life and what it meant for their afterlife. One of the groups. Uh, the Stoics—they were really just like it was all about position and, and living, and they were they were prim and proper, and they they felt like it, that after they died they would go back to be with the universe or the pantheon of God or whatever they believe. They they felt like you lived your life and then you just you just you just went back to the. Well, we hear this nowadays when well, you just go to the universe, your 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 material nature just goes and just floats away, and the Epicureans. They believe more along the lines of live your life to the fullest, because when you die, that's it. And so we have these two philosophies that are going on at the same time. And Paul came in the middle of them to bring them truth. And they took him and they brought him to the Areopagus saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. Listen, they showed they brought Paul there, not because they felt like he was speaking truth, but because it's kind of what they did. They were into like TED Talks. They were like in TED Talks to X. Like everybody would sit around. And say, and Oh, what's this new teaching? Let's let's get this new teaching in. And that's why they had so many gods, because they were worshiping all these different ideologies in the city. And so Paul basically got invited to a TED Talk to give his perspective on something. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now, all of the Athenians and the foreigners who live there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. Again, they went to podcasts and TED Talks. Verse 22. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Remember when I promised you three things that we need to know about God when we share, our, share the truth of God with others? Number one, we need to understand that God is creator of all things. God is creator of all things. That's exactly what we just read in verses 22 Through 25. He says, God has made everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. He's saying, listen, you guys are worshiping these things that are made by man, and so often as humans, that's what we do. We worship the works of our hands, and God doesn't get glory from our lives if we're not worshiping the one and true and only God. And he's not served by human hands as if he needs anything. That's one of the attributes of God, one of the incommunicable attributes of God. God is self-existent and God is self-contained. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't need anything. He's all-powerful, (laughs) all-knowing. He's ever-present. He doesn't need anything. The Bible teaches us that God made the world ex nihilo, which is uh, 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 which means He made the world out of nothing. There's two categories in the entire universe: there is creator and created, and God is the creator of all things, of all things. And so, as you share your faith, you need to have the theological insight to know that God is the creator of all things. Some people think that God uh 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 was born uh some people ask the God, the question of God created everything, who created God then? Well, you don't understand the concept of God. God just is. He's the self-existing God. He is eternal, He is infinite, which means that he has no beginning, nor no end. That in the Christian theology is the very existence of God. We as humans are finite. God is infinite. He doesn't have a beginning, nor does he have an end. And so Paul sit here and he broke down this whole understanding for them about the unknown god. Now, it's it could sound noble or sound like they had this revelation about God being unknown. But about 600 years before Paul showed up, um there was a guy named Epimenides and um there was a a plague going around the region. And so they let, these, they let these lambs or livestock uh, leave from uh, the center of the city. And wherever the lamb or livestock would lay down and rest, they would go and they would uh, sacrifice the livestock because, um, or they would sacrifice the livestock in whatever idol or temple it was closest to, they would sacrifice that lamb to that god. And when the when the lambs would lay down in an area where there was no temple or idols near them, they would execute the lamb to the unknown God. And so it was their way of saying, we have all these gods. We have this pantheon of gods, but just in case we left one out, that's what they were basically saying. And so he's explaining, Paul is basically saying that the God that I'm explaining to you guys is the, is the God of all your gods. Like th- those gods aren't gods, but you need to understand about this unknown God. And it says in him, and he gives all mankind life, breath, and everything. And so people who we share our faith with need to understand that they are breathing their next breath because of God. God is allowing them to breathe their next breath. God is sovereign. And so if God chose to just say, you can't breathe no more, guess what? They ain't going to breathe no more. And the scriptures tell us this. God tells us that he takes care of us. He says, look at the the grass and look at the birds. He says, they don't go around worrying about things. He says, how much more precious do you think you are to me? The sovereign God. And so God is the creator of all things. Number one, watch verse 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Number two, God is in control of history. God is in control of history. Verse 26, and he made from one man every nation. This is also where I get the theology or I get the mindset that we all come from one man. We all come from Adam. Paul is telling us this right here. And every place that people land appointed in the world, hear this as much as some people don't want to hear this. everywhere place that we land is under the sovereignty of God. God allows and God has appointed people to be or allotted people to be in certain places in certain periods of times, and the boundaries of their dwelling place God controls. God controls the rising and falling of nations. And we've traced this back to the Tower of Babel. What God told the uh, uh, people to be fruitful and multiply. And instead of going and being fruitful and multiplying, they started building a tower to the heavens. And the Bible teaches us that God came and said, look at these men. If they put their mind to it, they can accomplish anything. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to confound their language. And he scattered the nations. And from there, we get all different ethnicities, not races, but all different ethnicities because We all come from Adam. We all come from Adam. And so uh, a lot of what we have today that tries to divide us as racist is pseudoscience, where this guy, he started um, uh, studying people's skulls and based on skull size, he began to say that some people are more evolved than others. And so at the top, of course, because he had an agenda was uh, a, a white people, uh, And then beneath them were people of Asian descent and then beneath them and then all the way back down. And blacks were the bottom of the totem pole. And this pseudoscience is what allowed slavery to be prolonged for so long because people believed that some people were more evolved than others. And this is where we get the word Caucasian and and all these things, because he thought that they originated from the Caucasus mountains and and things of that nature. But listen, none of that's true. We come from Adam. And so we should listen to this theology more now than ever, that we are under God's sovereignty. What's happening in our history right now, God is allowing. But here's the thing. God always raises up people to speak his truth in the midst of what's going on in the world, because we're supposed to be pointing people to God. And so sometimes what happens is we say, well, God is sovereign. He's going to do what he's going to do anyway. And so why do, do I matter? I don't know why God chooses to use us. He just does. Just like he's using Paul right here as we continue to read. Verse 27, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each of us. Another truth about God. God has created us to seek him God has created us to seek him This is such an awesome theological truth The reason that Paul is saying you guys are worshiping all this stuff because you you're actually groping is what some translations say. Some earlier, older translations say, not feeling for him, but feeling that way to him. But they're actually groping. There's something visceral on the inside of them that is reaching out to God, and so that's why we pick up things and we begin to worship stuff, stuff, stuff. Like really, who met? No, no one worships the tape measure. Um, and he's actually not far away. He's actually really close. And that's why some people can say all religions are the same though, because there's maybe hints of what is true about God in that religion, but God is a God of absolutes. And so if you're a little off, you're off. If it ain't Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection, you're off. And so they grow for him. God's created us to long for him instinctually, which is a truth. And here's another truth. He's not far away. He's an ever-present God in our time of need. We need to be sharing this truth, church. That God has not forsaken us. God has not abandoned us. He is so near to us. Even when we feel like we're in our darkest hour and we're losing hope, God is not far off. Not far from each of us. He'll lead the 99 to go and get the one. He's not far from each of us. Everybody under the sound of my voice might be saying, Well, he might not be far from you, Pastor, but he's far from. No, he's not far from each of us, he's omnipresent. He's all places at all times, even in places where there's destruction and pain. And people say, well, God is good. How can He allow destruction and pain? God is right there weeping with people. He's not far off. Verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. And even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Now, Paul is actually quoting their own philosophers and poets, and now it's forever codified in the Bible. Not that the prophets and poets were prophesying, but Paul is using their words to relate the words to God, not the other way around. Paul is using the truth that can be found and extracted from what was said to help them wrap their minds around God. And so Paul was savvy enough and enlightened enough to know what the world was thinking. To know the things that were going on and how they were thinking and and, and how they were understanding the world. And so and so in the truth of God, Paul was able to share with them because he knew how they thought. In him, we live, we move and we have our being. God is an all-encompassing God. He's a great God that's bigger than we can think or fathom or imagine. He's greater. I have had five songs pop in my head already. Next week, I'm going to bring my keyboard in here and preach. (laughs) So let's recap the three things that we need to know about God as we share our faith. One, God is creator. Two, God is in control of history. And three, God created us to seek him. If you can lay hold of those three things about God as you share your faith, your witness will be so strong. And as you can and as you can study your Bible based upon these three truths. Looking at the, the biblical context of God being immutable, God being infinite, God being the creator, God being all things and everything that lines up with the way that we believe lines up according to God being absolute. And that God is in control of history. History past, and the history that's next week. And some of y'all be saying, how's next week history? Because God is infinite. He's not limited by time or space. And finally, God has created us to seek him. That's our purpose. Now we need to understand three events that are critical in our sharing. Verse 29 Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance, God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. And so, First event, the days of ignorance are over. The days of ignorance are behind us. We are without excuse and watch this Paul said we shouldn't we shouldn't uh think that the divine being is an image formed by the art and imagination of men. Remember what I said earlier about how these things get into uh the church eventually, it starts with philosophy. it makes its way through our arts, out of the imagination of man. Paul is saying, God overlooked it in the past. He's not overlooking it now. Why? Because Christ came to reveal the ultimate truth to humanity. And what is God doing? He's calling all of mankind to repent. People that we pass on the streets, he's calling them to repentance. In the White House, repentance. In the crack house, repentance. In a castle, repentance. In a sewer, repentance. And repentance means, just in case you don't know what it means, repentance means turning away from your former ways. You used to walk according to the elemental spirits of this world. You used to walk according to the ways of this world. Turn away from them and walk towards God because God created you to what? To seek him. To feel for him. To grapple with the idea of who God is. And you have been enlightened if you're a part of the church. You have been enlightened. You have become a traffic director. If anybody were to see a blind person and you're walking downtown with a mask on, I hope, and you're walking downtown and you see a blind person gra- grappling or trying to find their way and, and, and who in their right, who, what kind of kind person wouldn't stop and try to help the blind person find where they need to go? We are ambassadors of Christ. We are guides to guide people to the light. When people are grappling with these ideas, they're grappling with these notions. And a lot of time it's manifested in people's lives in mysterious and crazy ways. People are are, are making gods out of all these different things. It's up to us as believers who have truth to go into their lives and in their hearts and show them. No, 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 baby. That's not the way. Follow me. As I follow Christ. All right, I'm running out of time. I'm going too long. Second event, because he's calling for repentance. Why? Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. He has fixed a day. He is sovereign over history. The day is appointed. It is in his. It is in his Google calendar. The day is appointed. That he is going to judge the entire world. Not a not not according to uh what we think we deserve or, or what we think we did or which church we went to. He's gonna judge the world in righteousness, in right standing, in accordance to his ortho. Remember, we talked about ortho a few weeks ago? Uh, in accordance to his straightness, his righteousness. Our orthodoxy is based upon his righteousness. Our theology should be based upon his righteousness what he says right what he says right is absolute there's no moving there's no wiggle room with god there simply is no wiggle room with god and we need to understand that more now than ever second part of verse 31 by a man whom he appointed he has appointed and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead event number 3 the resurrection of jesus christ proved that he is who he said he is all that Satan had to do if he wanted to dispel truth forever if he wanted to just get the word of God just off the planet all he had to do was produce a body every naysayer the Roman government all they had to do was produce a body they would have produced a body this whole thing would be over You see, my faith is not in words on a page in a book. My faith is in an event that this book describes. My faith is in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, crucified for my sins, broken for my transgressions. And my theology is shaped through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul said Giving assurance to all by raising him from the dead. You want proof? He got up from the grave. Just because he lives. I can face tomorrow. Because God lives. All fear is gone. Because I know. He holds my future. He holds my tomorrow. Tomorrow. It's worth living, this life is. Why? Because he lives. I'm going to have church all by myself in this sweaty, hot room. This is no different from church. I'm always telling them to turn the AC up or down, ain't I? And so in closing, how did the story end, Pastor? Well, tune in next week. Just kidding. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. And if we're being truthful, a lot of us are afraid to share the story of the good news, the story of the gospel, because the resurrection just sounds crazy. I can recall just recently I was mentoring a young man and he, he grew up in the church and he hadn't heard a whole lot about a lot of things. And so I was telling him about Jesus' resurrection and Jesus' ascension. And he was looking at me like, what? A lot of us don't share it because it sounds crazy. We're afraid of being mocked. Some of us don't believe it, but Paul didn't care. But others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. And so the story ends. When you share the gospel message, when you share the truth of who God is, some will mock. Some won't believe immediately. That's why Luke wrote again to uh, Theophilus because he was like, do you think I'm just going to be a Christian by the first time you tell me? Let's talk about this some more. Do you think you can persuade me in one conversation to be a Christian? Like, like, literally, you'll have multiple conversations with some people. Some people have to hear the gospel a certain amount of times before they will give their heart and their life to Jesus because this is not an easy decision. This is not the the, the, the feel-good church. A lot of us are like the uh, the Stoics and the Epicureans. We just want life to be easy. Our philosophy is life should be easy, man. We shouldn't struggle through nothing. There should be no suffering. And so we put together ideologies and things to, 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 to reduce our suffering. Go to Amazon right after you get off of this and look at how many self-help books there are. Because we want to trying out ways to ease our suffering and make our world better and all these things. And that's not the gospel. And so some mocked. Some said we want to hear some more. But it was like, water off Paul's back? Because think about it. Paul had just got chased out of two cities. He had this city because they chased him out of two cities. That been some of us, man, we were been ready to lay it down. Man, people just don't want to hear no good news. People don't want to hear truth no more. I'm just going to be quiet. I just ain't going to say nothing. Ain't my responsibility to say nothing. They want it. They can come get it. And Paul went out of their midst. That's Luke's way of saying Paul bounced. Paul bounced. Paul was like, I'm out. But watch this. But some men joined him. And believed. Among whom also were Dionysius. The Arapagite. Remember where they were? I was struggling with the word earlier. He was a judge sitting there. And he was amongst the ones who heard and his heart was pricked with the gospel. And he understood. That the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ was. Real. And the scripture teaches us that some plant, some water. But God brings the increase. The truth of the matter is, we're scared of being mocked, that we don't get the fruit of what God has placed us in certain places in our lives to be there for. Some have planted, some have watered, but God is ready to bring the increase. But God is ready to bring the increase. But we never see the increase because we're afraid of the gospel. Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God unto salvation. First to the Jew, then to the Greek. I'm not ashamed. We need to live our lives unashamed. We need to live in this world unashamed of the Lord we serve. But well, I, I, I don't want to be one of them Christians. Well, don't be then. Be the Christian that you're being. Which is not walking in the obedience of God. Be that Christian. So Dionysus the, Ap- the Arapagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. He preached the gospel. What did he talk about? God is creator. He talked about God. He had to know God to talk about God in such a way. God is in control of history. And God has created humanity to seek him. What events did he bring up? The days of ignorance are over and we need to repent. Judgment is coming. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ proves he is who he says he is. We got to stop being afraid of being mocked, church. We got to stop being afraid of standing up for truth. And so I want you to do this real quick before we go. I want you to look over the list of attributes about God that you wrote earlier. What do you know about them? And for the next few moments, I want you to reflect on how those attributes of God should impact your life. For example, if you say God is loving, how should the fact that God is loving impact your life? If you say God is just, how should the fact that God is just impact your life? If you said God is eternal, if God is eternal, how should that impact your life? And if you're listening to this message and you don't know anything about God. But you know that you want to serve him and that you've heard this message today and you felt convicted in some way and you want to present your life to the Lord. Listen, reach out to us either in the chat to say, hey, I would love to speak to somebody or go to bit.ly forward slash connect with N-E-C-C and let us know. I need prayer. I want to know more about Jesus and we'll have someone contact you. So leave your phone number or your email address and we'll have someone get in contact with you because this is the most important decision you'll ever make. Okay, I got a homework assignment for you. You <coughs> know what's coming. This is what I want you to do. This week, I want you to... Pick one of these incommunicable attributes of God and I want you to research it and find out as much as you can about those attributes of God. And then this week, I want you to just meditate on those attributes about God and ask him to give you a deeper reality of who he is. Just pick one and ask him to give you a deeper reality of who he is based on what you're looking up about his attributes. Listen, if you need help with that, you find an attribute and you can't find any scripture to back it up or anything like that, reach out to us as elders at anycommunity.church. We'd love to help you. We'd love to assist you in uh, this process. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.